When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Derek and Jason here. Derek, Elon Musk has ordered every single Twitter employee back to the office, basically saying if you're not back here working from the office, no working from home, you're fired. He's not mincing words. So ABC News obtained this audio of Elon talking to the remaining Twitter employees about what his terms are of coming back into the office. People do not return to the office when they are able to return to the office. They cannot remain at the company. End of, end of story. Why is our leadership trying to increase attrition rate if we are already understaffed and barely able to keep things running? I'm not trying to increase attrition, um, but uh, I think we are not uh, understaffed. I think we are overstaffed. That is my opinion, which you're welcome to disagree with. Basically, if you, not, if you can show up at an office and you do not show up at the office, resignation accepted. End of story. What a cultural it, shift that is happening at Twitter. This it, used to be run like a Silicon Valley company, all warm and fuzzy during the pandemic, work from home. That's not how Elon does it. So business. we've been hearing nothing for the last three years except the fact that it's the greatest time to be an employee in the history of the world. We talk a lot about inflation. What we don't talk about very much is the fact that we've had the lowest unemployment in history. It's basically zero unemployment. There's always going to be some remnant unemployment. We're at three and a half percent. And wages at an all-time high, likely in the history of the world, yep. wages at an all-time high. Yep. And there's all this employee power. He is unilaterally seizing that employer power back for, for Twitter. Yeah, and look, Elon's philosophy, and he's, and he's been open about this. This happened at uh, Tesla as well. There is this clash that happened after the pandemic. People were working from home. Some things worked. But his philosophy is you get some different energy when you have people in the office and you can interact in person. That's his philosophy. And we talked about this in the morning meeting. He owns Twitter, everyone. Yes. He owns it. He's he not beholden to shareholders. Right. He's not trying to please anyone. He owns the thing outright. He's got a few minority investors, right. but he gets to do whatever he wants. And if he wants people in the office and that's a condition of working here, he can do it. Now, the risk he runs, of course, and this is what the person who asked him the question is pointing out bolt. is you might lose your better employees because there's so much opportunity now for employees. It's, it's starting to change. The economy slowing a little bit, but there's so many opportunities for employees to go other places and earn more money and call their shots and work from home that they might lose some really good employees. They really need to keep for the business. He's, he's already under pressure because he fired so many of the, of the top line uh, employees. And he's obviously willing to accept that. A lot of people think this rollout right. of, of his ownership has been disastrous. And in some respects, the way Twitter looks right Right now is wild. It's yeah. no longer a place where you can get reliable information at all. There's a lot of parody accounts where you've got fake presidents <laughs> saying funny things. It is very funny. I think Twitter <laughs> has never been funnier, but it's definitely a different place. And so they're saying that's going to get worse because content moderation is a part of this game, man. Right. And he has sort of abandoned it in the in the early going. Here's what's interesting, though. So at Tesla, there are a few employees who do get to work from home. And he was asked about this and called them exceptional people. But I, but but you made a point in the morning meeting that I liked. He initially stumbled and said they are exceptions and caught himself and said 
they're exceptional. So it's not like he was yes. saying these are exceptions. He's saying the really good folks yeah. get to stay at home. You got to prove yourself, and until you do, come in the office. Yeah, he could have said they're exceptions to the rule and let people think, oh, maybe they have uh, child care issues or something. <laughs> right. He didn't do that. No. He said, no, they're actually just so good they have more leverage than you. And if I'm calling you back here, it's because you don't have that leverage. Come back to work. So Elon Musk— I, so personal opinion, I guess, for what it's worth. Yeah. I, total prick, right? Real, real jerk. Not, yes. not a nice person. Massive all ego. that stuff. Massive ego. Uh, obviously an incredible uh, futurist inventor, the whole thing. But I get, I, I respect the, I respect the fact that he's like, this is the way it is. It's my company. I bought it outright. It's not a publicly traded. I answer to nobody except myself. Yes. And this is my rule. And if you don't like it, go find another job. And there's some element of like, well, you don't have to like it, but you got to respect the game, right? Yeah, look, you and I are pretty old school about this. He's the boss. He gets to say he likes the people who work in person, and that's it. I do think the world has sort of shifted, and he may lose some very, yes. very talented people yes. over this, and then it's sort of biting your nose off to to spite your face, or cutting your nose off to spite your face. I suppose it's hard to bite it. Incredibly um, hard to bite <laughs> your nose. But so I, I don't know how it'll work out for him, but nevertheless, he has the right to do this, and he's just—I I, I do respect this about Elon. He doesn't mince words. He yeah. tells you how he feels. He wants people in the office— and only if you're exceptional can you stay at home. So we'll see how it works out. Um, speaking of people who are losing battles, though, Drake and 21 Savage, uh, mm -hmm. they put out a uh, they, they as part of their campaign to launch their new music. They uh, par they say they parodied the Vogue cover, put themselves on a copy uh, on a cover of Vogue. Pictures of him with Anna Wintour. So right, forth. right, right. All sorts of things. Did it both on social and actually printed off posters and po like posted them in New York Huge City. Huge stunt. Huge and promotional stunt. A few days ago, we did the story that that. Vogue had sued them to stop them, wanted money, number one, to, for, for a judge to order them to stop. Number two, they wanted damages, saying basically you're profiting off of the Vogue label. We have, you've, you've repeatedly asked us if you could do this. We've told you no. You went ahead and did it anyways. We want a pound of flesh. Absolutely. And they've won the first battle. Vogue has won the first battle. They did. They got a temporary restraining order. This is not surprising to me. So basically now, Drake and 21 Savage, the album is already released, but all the promotional media that's out there has to be pulled. They cannot put any more of the fake Vogue covers out there at least until there's a hearing on November 22nd to see if they get a longer injunction. But for right now, they got to pull all this stuff. It's not that surprising to me because Vogue was able to go in there and basically say, this is confusing. You know, right. this is not clear parody. If, if if Mama June did a Vogue cover, it's so absurd that people would read it as parody, but you're confusing our customers. And people might say, they look. They actually printed magazines, by the way. They printed real, real magazines. magazines and yeah. they, they, you know, they might say, uh, look, it's cool to be associated with Drake, so I don't know about the damages question down yeah. the road, how Vogue can say this hurt them. But... As an initial matter, it is confusing. I yeah. would believe that Drake was on the cover of Vogue and have no problem believing that. Uh, yeah, no, in the way they did it was so professional was so professional. with digital artists and everything. They made it look like a, unquestionably confusion. Yes. People thought, until Vogue sued them, people thought these were legitimate Vogue magazines. So not to get too wonky, but the way you measure damages is one of two ways, right? Was Vogue hurt by this? Did their business suffer? The answer is probably not, right? As a matter of fact... That's Anything. a hard. Drake will have experts to say, uh, absolutely not. You sold more magazines right. and so forth. So the only damages to which they're going to be entitled are any profits they can ascribe to Drake and 21 Savage based on the use of the Vogue name. 
easier to do, but still hard. They're gonna look. Courts deal with this all the time. You yep. get experts up there to say that a certain percentage of the sales of his music were, rela- were, were related, related to the to stunt, the, to the stunt to, and to, to get, Vogue's goodwill. Blah, they'll blah, get blah. a couple witnesses in there say, "Hey, I thought it was great, and I loved it, and therefore I thought they were associated." Whatever. So let me ask you a question. That's this, why they're suing for four million and not forty million, though. Fair right? enough. Is this yeah. going there? Do you see a protracted lawsuit between no. Condé Nast and Drake? I just don't. see I don't it. even see the November twenty second uh, hearing happening. Me neither. Because I think Drake at this point is like, "Nah, we got we wanted out of this." And by the way, here, Anna, here's your four million. We'll get another four million in charity of your choice. Totally agree. And, and, and this was this this actually to me seems to work out for everyone. Condé Nast gets to go in there and say, "We weren't behind this," right. so they've now notified the world. It's a huge they story. They own Vogue. Yeah, they yeah. own Vogue, and they weren't behind the stunt. The world now knows it was a stunt. Drake got the juice and uh, of of the promotional campaign. Everyone kind of won. Here's yeah. here's a small check. Uh, here's some to yeah. charity, like you say, and it goes away. Right. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Uh, Let's move on to a a serious story. Uh, What's going on with Kyrie Irving and Adam Silver? So this saga has now taken a turn, and I think we may see this maybe a little bit differently, but let's lay it out first. I'm so, stunned where we got to so quickly, though. Yes, I am stunned as well. So remember, Kyrie Irving posted a link to a movie on Amazon that has that is clearly an anti-Semitic movie. That, that, questions everyone, the Holocaust. Questions the Holocaust, caused cause it a falsehood, and so yeah. forth. That That is not in question anymore. He then did some combative press conferences where he basically didn't clarify to the Enough to a sufficient extent that this was anti-Semitic. People were asking him, are you anti-Semitic? He gave these sort of uh, answers that sort of weaved in and out and weren't very direct. So Adam Silver got very upset and said uh, there's going to be severe sanctions. And they levied a severe punishment of at least five games and a host of other things that, that Kyrie has to do, including meeting with the commissioner. Adam Silver now says he met with Kyrie, and he does know Kyrie Irving, he, and he knows he's an eccentric guy. He's been in the league for a long time, but he says he has no doubt that Kyrie Irving is not anti-Semitic. So right. he has zero doubt after this conversation that this kid's heart, maybe he's confused, maybe he's curious. He didn't go into much detail about that, but he says this kid is not anti-Semitic. Yeah, I think he, he didn't say he wasn't misguided, and yes. I think that's where Adam Silver's drawing that line, that he doesn't harbor ill will towards the Jewish people. I find that difficult to reconcile with the propagation of this this anti-Semitic movie and, and the, the real horrors. And, and Kyrie's been asked a number of times whether or not he believes the Holocaust took place. And he's he's never come right out and said, yes, I believe it took place. Yes. He's it's, given these circuitous yes. answers. That the, were, the, 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 the quote was, he says the Holocaust was an event that has a meaning to a lot of Jewish people who suffered and it could have been avoided. That was the substance. Right. So people say he did acknowledge because he says people suffered. And he said in an event. But but, but 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 the word after event wasn't happened. It was meaning, right? And I think that's a problem. But not not only that, it's such an easy question to answer. Yeah, the of course the Holocaust happened. 
It's one of the great tragedies of the last few centuries, and it's something we should learn from. That's easy, yeah. right? Instead, he said, it's an event that we can learn from. It's just like, you're obviously, Kyrie, you are, you are telling us that there's more to it than a simple, yes, it happened. You yes. are telling us that you're, you're qualifying it in some way, and it's hard to decipher exactly how he's qualifying it, but he is certainly, and I don't even think Kyrie would disagree with this, he is qualifying the, he, the, the, the position that this happened. You made the example, and I thought it was a great one in the morning meeting. You said, what if someone had said, the Middle Passage is, is something that has meaning to a lot of African Americans and their suffering? It would sound bad. The yes. Middle Passage existed, right. and slaves were transported to the New World along that passage. That, that, and that's if you were, the answer. And if you it's were historical to ask fact. Me, right, and if you were to ask me, do you think the Middle Passage, passage was a real thing? And I said, well... It yes, was an if event you said well, it's, yeah. that, uh, that affected a lot of people. I, I would be. I would expect uh, you to just say yes. Of course, <laughs> it happened. One of the worst things in the history of humanity, right? But that, but that, no, that's that's why I posit that this is a miss by Adam Silver. And here here, yes, let me lay, I, I, let me I tend lay to agree this with out. You. Go. I I tend to think that Kyrie Irving is not a virulent KKK David Duke style anti semite. I never thought he was. Yeah. I think he's actually one of the more dangerous variety of people who find these ideas seductive. There's a certain sort of I want to believe that there are some, you know, s some some things that Jews do to control uh, the media and control business, sort of what Kanye West was saying, but it, it has the patina of something that you can believe is occurring rather than they have horns. I've always yeah. said if, if Kyrie Irving, the, the anti-Semites who say, uh, you know, Jews have horns are absurd and he's not that I'm yes. not saying, I think he's actually a more dangerous version because he watched a documentary. He makes people think, well, yeah, he's maybe like, hey, think it about didn't it. happen. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it, Adam Silver, not to point yeah. that out and say, that's actually also horrific and he needs to recant and retract Tracked all the statements is a miss by Adam I, Silver. I want an unqualified thing. I, th this gets to this something you and I have talked about before, and people have accused you and me of thinking that we're way smarter than we think that we are. <laughs> so, and, and yes. likely true, right? I want to throw that at Kyrie Irving too. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's nearly as thoughtful, as knowledgeable, as educated on these issues as he thinks he is. Yes. And instead of really going into a deep dive by himself, he has allowed his thoughts to be corrupted by movies by, and mostly by other people who are putting ideas into his head. And I don't think Kyrie Irving is nearly as smart as he thinks he is. Yes. And therefore doesn't go the extra mile to actually figure out what's what. But there, there are nuances in everything. Of course there, there are. There are nuances in everything. There's nuances to the history, of and, and I have no, and I don't even have a problem with somebody, you don't have to t adopt his orthodoxy anything that you hear ever. But this idea that he cannot bring himself to acknowledge at a facial level that the that the Holocaust happened, that millions of people died, and it's one of the most it's probably the most horrific incident in the nineteen forties. There's footage. It's it's not that right. old of an event, so it's very hard. You to can swallow. go that far, and then you can say, but I think that Hollywood talks about it too much. We ignore Fine. the sufferings of other people because Jews have a lot of power. That that would be too too alarmist. No, but, but, that's but that the different. Jewish people have are, are are very big in movies, and therefore we talk about the story to the exclusion of other stories that should be told. I can handle all that. Fine. Yeah. I don't know the facts well enough to sure. remark on them, but fine. But that's for not him, this. that's not this. That's, That's not, not this. It. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see where it plays out. There are still a series of of uh, benchmarks that he has to meet. Some of them I know are sensitivity training, a donation to the ADL of $500,000 and some anti-Semitic training. So if he if he with an open heart goes through those things and sort of learns from this in a more direct fashion, what is fact and what is sort of, you know, sort of vile hate hate speech, 
I could get on board with, you know, opening my arms to Kyrie Irving. He does seem sort of curious, but yes. he is misguided. Yes. And it's it's very, very troubling. He's a smart at this guy. Point. Just, well, anyway, uh, talking about other athletes in de- yeah. decline, uh, Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, they are divorced. But, but neighbors. they live across the. We were calling it a stream yesterday. It's more like a river. But they live across. <laughs> when, the I heard, river. when I heard it was a creek, and then I saw it, oh, I creek. was like, "We called it a creek." Which, yeah, that's not a creek. By definition, a creek can only be like four feet wide. I think <laughs> like this, and this is a seventy-foot estuary or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I live in Florida. There are creeks in your backyard that you can throw a rock over without much without much trouble. This is this is a broader yeah. body of water. But anyway, uh, so Giselle bought the house directly across this body of water, this creek, as we were calling it yesterday, from Tom Brady. Uh, makes all the sense in the world, but people are thinking maybe it's a bit of a, you know, we, we had the same situation with Kanye a couple of years ago where he, in the midst of their divorce, his divorce with Kim, he bought a house across the street from her. And we called it creepy surveillance. Now, we, said, we said that was weird. But apparently he did that without Kim knowing. This seems, to, this seems to be Giselle and Tom agreeing that what's in the best interest of the kids is they can be across this thing and they can take the little boats across. Right? Yeah, look, they've been they've been beating the drum. Tom has said this is cordial, although they released a separate statement and we're like, it doesn't seem that cordial. This is an indication that it actually may be somewhat cordial, that mm-hmm. they want to, for the good of the kids, uh, have be, be neighbors and it's sort of easy for them to, to uh, sort of go between the houses. It's different than the Kanye situation because you're right, that read as creepy, like he was glomming onto her and she didn't want him anywhere yeah. nearby. To the extent they've agreed to this sort of neighbor uh, situation, I don't know what we're supposed to draw other than that it's it's at least functional and cordial enough to be close to one another. Yeah, I'd go towards the functional and away from the cordial. Okay, because I, fair enough. What, what I'm reading here, and we're reading tea leaves, of course, is that there's some really bad blood between them, especially on Giselle's part towards Tom. But they are, they, they, you know, if my wife and I were to have a horrific divorce, we would nevertheless live near each other because in the best interest of the kids and that would always come first no matter what. Yes. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, it seems mature is yeah, the way I'd put it. Uh, okay. is that they've got older kids who who could, uh, you know, sort of suffer from the separation and they're sort of dampening that or mitigating in some respect. So is this, the, en- this is the end of the Giselle Tom story, right? They're divorced legally. They live across the... I mean, his his career... Very quick. And his, his career is in such a uh, an incredible state of decline at yeah. this point. It's, sort of, it's sad to see. Although... Yeah. The minute the divorce was finalized, he had a game and had a vintage. It wasn't a good game until the point, but he had a vintage drive down the yes. field that looked like the old Tom Brady. And some people are saying, wow, he's now unburdened. He can become Tom again. So maybe a glimmer of hope that he turns it around. So Derek's talking about that he was terrible against terrible, one of the worst offensive performances yeah. ever until two minutes left in the game. And then he had a vintage come from behind. Vi- drove down the drive. field. I wonder if he like, I got a call from his lawyer or text like, Hey, j- she just signed. And then like, <laughs> it comes out and just hears marches the down the, f- marches I'm, down the I'm field. I'm ready. Roger and that. Next week he comes out for six touchdowns. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of talk. It's incredible. All right, let's turn well, to a sad note. We're going to end on this, right? Gallagher. It's sad, but we got to treat it as a remembrance and, and a tribute. This is a tribute. So Gallagher, the comedian, uh, who was f- so big. I mean, guys, Jason and I's age, this guy was such a phenomenon. He would go on stage. He's a, he was a comedian. He would tell a few jokes. People in the front few rows would bring plastic sheets and cover themselves because he would put large melons, usually watermelons, take an oversized comical sledgehammer and bash the, the watermelon so that it would spray all over the audience. And people laughed it up. It sounds hokey, but it was huge. I don't know how to how, uh, how it, to how to convey it was to people but, that Gallagher was a phenomenon. So he was a phenomenon, and he. He, he uh, you know, uh, he wasn't the biggest comedian in the world in the 70s and 80s, and Pryor was there. But he occupied but, a big, but he had the, he would t- 
rent out these enormous stadiums to do these comedy concerts. And it wasn't until Eddie Murphy came along and Mm -hmm. made it into Eddie Murphy that that those things that I've ever seen it was him and Howie Mandel in the late in the it, that were huge and Could then fill Murphy, arenas right and then Eddie Murphy comes along and he blows them both out of the water but and Andrew Dice Clay and all these yeah, guys came but later nobody was, was doing what Gallagher was doing filling up these enormous arenas and then his you know he tell jokes yeah off color jokes somewhat off color and he became problematic as the world sort of you know, got a little, a little bit more progressive right, and right, politically right. correct. He didn't sort of fit in the same way. But his shtick was that he would bust these watermelons, and it was as famous a trademark as any celebrity had at the time. So famous, by the way, that, by the way, he, he passed away at 76. He was in hospice and sort of not in good health at the end. But he was so famous at the time that he has this brother. His name is Leo Gallagher. His brother's name was Ron Gallagher. And Ron Gallagher, there was such an appetite for watermelon smashing went out on tour as Gallagher 2, T-W-O. And Gallagher, this guy who just passed away, the Gallagher, sued him. and said, <laughs> Sued his own brother. <laughs> yeah, he came out, they had the same hair, he had this sort of like trademark look with the suspenders and the whole and thing. And also filled up arenas. Filled up arenas <laughs> as well because people just wanted more watermelon bash and he sued his own brother and, and had him sort of take off, taken off tour and all this sort yeah. of stuff. But it was a wild, wild time. And, you know, it's it's important. This is a this is a big story for us. I saw it at the top of the board. It's like when someone like Gallagher passes away, everyone remembers. Oh man, I remember the yeah. watermelon smashing guy. He's the epitome of that kind of story. So right. de- dead at seventy six, not that old. You no, know, not that old. But but to, to your point about death, like it, when young people die, right? We we just had uh, a, a takeoff. Takeoff died. Tragic. It's yeah. tragic. There's no light-hearted talking about it. Gallagher was 76 and been sick for a long time. It's not Obviously, it's very sad for his sure, family. But it's different. But to remember back on the joy that he brought like to me watching him on television when I was a little kid, watching him smash watermelons, it was something. I, I really enjoyed it. I suspect you will see a lot of people do tributes today on video, go buy a watermelon and smash it in yeah. their backyard. That's just the era we live in, so I think there's going to be a run on watermelons. That's my prediction. All right, that'll do it for us today. All right, guys. See you Monday. Take Bye. Care.